If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tess. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. We all know that family is important, right? Right. And they say that blood is thicker than water. That's debatable. Especially (laughs) when money is involved. Okay, so let's start off with our players. First, we have Jeffrey Dampierre, who is our victim. This is Crystal's husband and Victoria's brother-in-law. Then we have Crystal Dampierre, born Crystal Jackson. That is Jeffrey's wife, and that is Victoria's oldest sister. We have Terry Jackson, the middle sister of the Jackson sisters. Then we have Nathaniel Jackson, also known as Trey, and that is Victoria's boyfriend, His last name is Jackson, but no relation to the Jackson sisters. And then we have Victoria Jackson, the youngest of the Jackson sisters, and this week's murderess. All right, y'all, there's a lot of Jacksons in here, so you're going to have to hold on tight. Make sure y'all paying attention. So, let's start with Victoria. Victoria Jackson was born the youngest of her two sisters. Crystal was the oldest, and Terry was the middle child. They came from a poor family, but... A close one. You know, like family was important to them and they loved each other dearly. And Crystal, she knows she eventually moved out the home like older sisters do. And home life for the younger sisters became kind of hard. You know, life life kinda got hard at home after Crystal left and Victoria comes home one day and she walks in and she finds her dad hanging in the garage that's just to just come home from school or whatever and see your dad and they said it they have no idea like where it came from or why he did it there was no letter left it was just like no signs or anything no signs or nothing they didn't know he was depressed or anything so of course this is extremely difficult for her to deal with she kind of fell out with her mom afterwards kind of was on drugs and drinking sure just trying to numb herself yeah really withdrawn i mean trauma (laughs) with a capital every single letter like what so she ended up was like listen i don't even want to be in this house no more and kind of left home and what kind of couch surf her friend's house and everything so you know she was spending her time partying drinking doing whatever she really wanted and her older sister, Crystal, mm-hmm. was like, listen, I just got married. Why don't you come 
and you know stay with me let us let us help you out you know what I'm saying I don't want you out here having a couch surf or whatever you don't have to go back home to mom or whatever if that's not what you want but you know let us just help you out a bit and get on your feet you know be a good big sis now Crystal got married to some guy she she met him at a skating rink the reason she's so willing and able to take care of her sister is because she's married to Jeffrey Dumpier, a millionaire. So Jeffrey was born March 24th, 1966, and he grew up on the west side of Chicago, and he grew up very poor as well. His family could hardly make ends meet, and Jeffrey was unable to pay for college, so he does what a lot of people do at that age and joins the army. And he was like an army mechanic, and then outside as a civilian he was a security guard he found his way to community college where he met his first wife deborah jackson no relation to any of the other jacksons in the story whatsoever he would like help her in math and they would go out to dinner one day and then like they fell in love the two got married and after three years they had a baby together so one day in 1996 jeffrey is about 30 years old at the time he is going on about his everyday routine and he heads home and he decides to go buy a scratch off he reads the scratch off instructions as he do and then he realizes he plays the game and then he realizes that he just won 20 million dollars off a scratch off so with his newfound wealth he did what many did he gave back to the church he took care of his family he put his kids in private school and yes that's kids with an s because there are seven kids total she had four kids he had two and then they had the one together bringing a total of seven children to put in private school he also gave to everyone in need so i guess at this time he was really feeling himself because he was having multiple affairs on his wife and one person in particular that he was having an affair with was one Miss Crystal Jackson, the eldest of the Jackson sisters. Now, when Deborah found out about him messing with Crystal, she confronted him. And he basically was like, I'm in love. I'll get my shit and leave. And she was like, if you leave, don't come back. And he left. That is so cold, bro. You give a nigga an ultimatum. Don't ever give me an ultimatum. I'm always going to choose the one that's going to piss you off. Always. That's because you're you. Always. That don't even really be your choice. But just because you decided to put me at an ultimatum, it's going to be my choice now. Oh, you're so petty, Mariah. Okay. So that's what brings us to Jeffrey being married to Crystal, the oldest of the Jackson sisters. And Crystal inviting Victoria to live with them. And now everybody, we're all caught up. Though this was a better situation for Victoria than living at home, she was still out. She was still doing her own thing. She was drinking, partying, smoking drug sex rock and roll yeah and that's when she met nathaniel jackson no relation to the jackson sisters (laughs) who also went by trey okay so trey's like the ultimate bad boy right when he was younger his childhood home caught on fire and he barely made it out alive so he kind of went through his life as i'm not even supposed to be here you know what i mean and but was still like wrapped up in gangs you know what i'm saying so then he gets caught up in this little gang war shootout gets shot nine times went through surgery all of that survived so he's feeling real tupac invincible at this moment you know what i mean Mm. like can't nothing stop me i can't die i am that nigga you know what i mean like 
I'm not going to battle no nigga who's been shot nine times and survived. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> You're going to win. So, you know, he, he had, he, he kind of ran his streets or whatever. He was, he was a tough guy. He and Victoria were in love, okay? Like, they were inseparable. I'd do anything for you, but, like, also in a toxic way. Like, he was very, of course, some nigga like this, very demanding, very aggressive, probably possessive. And she, you know dealing with a lot of trauma she probably like feels protected like with that loss of a father figure she probably feels protected in the arms of this tough guy this top dog in the streets or whatever you know what i'm saying like sure that probably makes her feel secure in her own little way so it's not just victoria staying with crystal and her husband it's also their middle sister terry too right they're all living in this house together, and Jeffrey's kind of spoiling everyone, right? And one day, Jeffrey surprises Crystal and her two sisters, and he's like, hey, we're going to move to Tampa, Florida, and I'm going to pay for everything. So the sisters are kind of like, uh, I don't know, kind of up and leave Chicago, are you sure? He's like, check this out. You know, you guys are getting older now. Y'all move to Florida, I'll get you your own apartment like you have your own space you don't even have to live under our roof i just you know we want to keep y'all safe y'all are family we want to make sure you're protected have eyes on you let's just get a fresh start get out of this city you know and you know we have a new start in in florida and the sisters was like you know what i do like being taken care of i'm sure they do i do like being taken care of so florida doesn't sound so bad so they're like you know what Let's do it. We're in. So the family moves to Florida, and they're living their best life. Jeffrey's taking care of all the Jackson sisters, and then he eventually opens up a small business called Cassie's Gourmet Popcorn in Tampa's Channelside Entertainment District. He named the shop after his daughter, and it was actually a pretty big success. He was trying to bring like the Chicago style to Tampa, Florida. Have you ever had the Chicago popcorn? though i don't know like i could have had it and not known it was chicago popcorn no I no i feel like chicago. you would know like honestly let me stop lying we used to get it for christmas that i have is christmas popcorn and it comes in a tin thing it's probably from it's chicago kettle. it's kettle and it's cheese and it's caramel and i would only eat the kettle and the caramel it's probably from chicago victoria also was in school she was trying to go to school get her life together and jeffrey was also paying for her schooling as well so both terry and victoria worked at the popcorn shop but they didn't really work full time they didn't even work part time they just kind of worked whenever they needed help but technically they didn't even really have to work for it. they didn't have to work but technically he gave them a job question right. mark right <laughs> so Everything is fine except for one little thing. Y'all Trayvon running through Victoria's mind like a trap me, okay? Like, she cannot get him off of her mind. It turns out, Trey feel the same way. He hit a Victoria and he was like, baby girl, I miss you. And she was like, well, I miss you too. He was like, you know what? I should just come down to Florida and live with you. And she was like, you know what? 
That's an excellent idea. You should come to Florida and live with me. I have my own apartment. Like, why wouldn't you just come here and live with me? He was like, you know what? I'm on my way. And she was ecstatic, y'all. She was like, this is the most romantic thing ever. He moved halfway across the country to be with me. And, you know, I might move halfway across the country for a free deluxe apartment in the sky. I'm sure the apartment was nice. You know what I mean? Multiple years. So... You know, Trey comes down there. He's a, he's a man of his word, all right? <laughs> and he gets on down to Florida to prove his love, and she's, she's ecstatic. She's like, I've got Florida and I've got Trey. What more can I ask for, right? Right? Everything's I've golden. I've got plenty of nothing. <laughs> nothing's plenty for me. <laughs> so... Although money was not an issue for Jeff and Crystal, Crystal was kind of like, listen, you've got to chill. You don't need to buy my sisters everything and take care of them. Like, you need to ease up. They're grown-ass women. You know what I mean? Like, you my man. (laughs) These are my sisters. They're not even his sisters. I don't don't think it would have been a problem unless... Like, for them, it's a problem because, like, you're not even making nothing of it. You know, teach a man to fish type shit. Mm. Because it's jive in the instance what you got. Like, I see him trying to put them through school, but, like, you working and hitting you up every five seconds when they need something. Right. There was an issue that, of course, you know, Crystal and Jeffrey fussed about. And Jeffrey was like, "I I like... I like spoiling everybody, and you probably make them feel like the man, you know what I'm saying? So, he loves that shit. And to save face, Jeffrey was just like, okay, I'll stop, I'll stop. But he was secretly still giving money to the sisters, Victoria in particular. And he would buy her gifts and pay for clothes, and when Crystal would ask her, how are you paying for everything nowadays? She'd be like, you know, working at the popcorn shop. (laughs) And... It turns out, like, both Terry and Victoria were, like, actually kind of pissed at Crystal for trying I mean, to get them st- cut off. Their older sister stopped their bag. <laughs> Victoria and middle sister Terry were like, look. Listen, I'm... I don't want to be like, I'm not your keeper. Like, I'm your keeper, but, like, I'm not your mother. And you're not a child. And sure, I married into this, but I married into this. What are you putting forward? Right. That's very true. So, it is July 26, 2005, a Tuesday. A man in a Tampa neighborhood watched the car come to a screeching halt. He then sees three black people running out of the vehicle. He asks one of the women what's going on, and the woman is like, Oh, we ran out of gas. We're going to just run and go get gas. But the neighbor soon realizes that that was a lie because the car that they just jumped out of was still running. So this neighbor calls another neighbor and is like, hey, suspicious car in the neighborhood, neighborhood watch type shit. Uh, Let's go check it out. So they go up and it is like a van, like a work van. And both of the neighbors go up to the front door because the car is still running. The front door is unlocked. So they go to the side door they look at each other they're like oh my goodness should we do this they open up the side door and then they find that the interior of the car is bloodied and they see a bound beaten 
Jeffrey Dampierre. They immediately call 911 and tell them that there had been a homicide. The police come and they initially don't know who the man is. His wallet was swiped and so they had to run the car tags and they found out that the van was registered to Jeffrey Dampierre who lived about 14 miles away from where his van and his body was found. It took nothing for them to realize that this was a former lottery winner because the news, a unique name. And so initially police are thinking, okay, maybe this is a robbery it's gone the wrong. the only unique name in the story. Right. So initially police thought that this was a robbery gone wrong, especially because when they searched the car, they realized that there was absolutely no money in the car whatsoever. But his face, like Jeffrey's face was completely messed up. He was definitely pistol whipped. And even though it was a single gunshot wound to the head, there are signs of overkill. So they're like, maybe it's personal, but they weren't sure at the time. So police contact Crystal, his wife, and they ask her, do you know where your husband is? And she says, a matter of fact, I do not know where he is. We were supposed to actually go on a date to the movies and out to eat, but, but I haven't heard from him. This raises some red flags, and they're like, okay, so why didn't you file a missing persons report? Call the police. Your husband's missing. And according to the show Blood Relatives, Crystal was doing her own, like, detective work, calling around family and friends, and then calling around the popcorn shop because she had a suspicion. She didn't really say it, but she kind of, like, led on that maybe she suspected that Jeffrey was sneaking around. She led on, but she didn't say for sure. The police question her a little longer and they initially rule her out and then they finally tell her that they found the body of her husband and they think it's a robbery. Now, as we always say, we don't know how you're going to react in the face of tragedy, but Crystal was kind of stone-faced, very stoic. She didn't show a lot of emotion. She was very matter-of-fact and after being told that her husband's body was found. So the police were like, okay, maybe she did it. Maybe she's just saving face. And she's saying that she doesn't have, maybe her alibi is not going to check out or something like that. They didn't have anything to hold her, but there were definitely some red flags on if Crystal could have been the one to kill Jeffrey Dumpier. Back at the crime scene, the police stop a woman who was kind of walking nearby on the street near where they found the body at, right? So... The police, of course, are searching a nearby area looking for people who could have left the van. And they're like, stop her, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I had a fight with my girlfriend, so I'm just, like, clearing the air or whatever. And they're like, okay, well, do you need to file a police report? You know, fight with your girlfriend. She's like, oh, no, I'm fine. They're like, you sure? Is there anything we can do for you? Can we call somebody? She was like, uh... Yeah, can you call my sister? Her name's Crystal Dampier. They said, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> Did you say Dampier? First of all, we just seen the body of Jeffrey Dampier, not even a mile away from here. Second of all, we got our uh team up in Tampa questioning Crystal right now because this is our husband. And now you saying that this your sister... Oh, girl, you're going to have to come with us. You're going to have to come down to this station. And Bring your ass questions. down to the police station, girl. We have questions. So many questions, right? So, you know, when they put you in the back of the police car, they frisk you down or whatever, see if you got anything on you. Homegirl had $2,400 in her pocket. 
while all of this is going on, Crystal is still down, you know, in Tampa. They're like 14 miles away from each other. So Crystal's down at the other police station talking to the cops when Terry goes in. So they're like, let's talk to Terry and see what she says. And according to her, and the story, according to her, steers this investigation from a robbery gone wrong to family ties being broken. You all, we are so excited that our CEO and director of Dopeness, Patricia and her family, are back as a sponsor this week. We love Hood Adjacent Tees. Hood Adjacent Tees is a company where you can get anything that you're looking for t-shirt-wise. You can customize t-shirts. They've got amazing designs for you to choose from. You can get bags for yourself. You can get baby onesies. Anything you need to bring some style into your life. And not just for you. You can bring this style to anyone else. And y'all are already know you can customize your own t-shirts to make something especially just for you hood adjacent tees is for everybody it's for the church going folks and it's also for the around the way girl patricia has everything that you need to make your personality shine through so make sure you check them out all their information will be in the description box below and remember it's not just a t-shirt company it's a movement use the code swk to get 20 percent off at checkout now, back to the show. So the police have Terry in the interview room and are like, listen, we found you looking pretty distraught, literally just a mile away from your brother-in-law's body, dead body at that, where he was found with a shot to the head. The whole, I fought my girlfriend act is up. Give it up, okay? So she does. And she says, okay, here's what really happened. I was kidnapped. I was like, ma'am, you was kidnapped? She said, yes, me and Jeffrey, we were kidnapped together. Terry's like, this is what happened, right? So I go over to my sister's house for our regular kiki or whatever, right? They watch movies. They talk. It's all good. She says, I get over there. Her man Trey's over there. Hey, Trey, what's up? He was like, I'm going to let you two ladies enjoy your evening, enjoy the movies or whatever, you know? He's like, cool. So they sit him down. She was like, Victoria's like, uh, before we start this movie, let me call Jeff because I need some money. And Terry's like, okay. And she was like, check this out, check this out. When Jeff gets here, I need you to hide in the bedroom. And she was like, why? That's bro. She said, check this out. When Jeff gets here, I need you to hide in the bedroom. Terry's like, okay, fine. I'll hide in the bedroom. So Jeff shows up. Terry goes to the bedroom. But she in her ear hustling or whatever, right? Right. And she hear a little smoochy schmooch sound or whatever. And then there's like a commotion. There's an argument happening. And Terry goes out of the bedroom. She's like, what's going on? Next thing she knows... Trey is in the living room with the gun. And she was like, shit, Trey, when did you come back? Trey turns around and he's like, listen, Terry, shut the fuck up, all right? Terry's like, oh, my God, he's got a gun. So Terry shuts the fuck up, right? Mm -hmm. So Trey turns back around to Jeff with the gun. And he was like, give me the fucking money. And Jeff is like, I don't have any money, bro. I'm telling you, let me go to the store. I'll give you anything. A hundred cash. Just don't shoot my ass, please. <laughs> That's a biggie right there. 
I know. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, I know you got goddamn cash on you because I know that Vicky just called you and told you to bring her some money. So don't fucking play with me, dude. And he was like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I don't have no cash. But check this out. I will take you to my popcorn shop. There is a safe there. And I will give you all the money that is in the safe. And Trey's like, all right, this might could work. Well, um, how much money you got in the safe? And he's like, I got like 10000 15000 You know, I-, I got money in the safe. Just let me, let me get to the popcorn shop, you know? He's like... So he's like, he's like, so he's like, all right, all right, we're going to go to this popcorn shop. Victoria, you go get the car. Terry, you keep shutting the fuck up and roll with us. And and you, you don't make no noise. And we headed down to the popcorn shop. So Victoria gets Jeff's popcorn van, his work van, brings it around. They stuff him inside of it or whatever. It's just a real, it's, it's a horrible scene, you know. Terry is in the back bawling her eyes out freaking out you know what i mean and victoria is just driving jeff is in the back seat begging for his life and trey is like we gonna get this goddamn money man and it's like the closer they were getting the more enraged trey was getting right Mm. he's pistol whipping jeff knocking him up inside the head keeps putting the gun at the head like and the man is sweating bullets pleading for his life it's blood everywhere his face is battered all of this and trey's like you know what how the fuck enough vicky pull the car over pull the car over he's like he's like okay he's like terry get your ass to the back of the van terry said i got my ass to the back of the van because i didn't want to die that's what she said to cops in her interview. And so, Victoria and Trey switch seats. So, Trey's like, all right, switch seats, switch seats. So, now Victoria is in the back, and he gives Victoria the gun. And he continues driving. He was like, you better get that man to start talking. And Victoria's like, listen, Jeff, I want this to be over just as bad as you do. Just just give us the money, and we can let you go, and we, we can forget this all even happened. You know, she's really trying to reason with him or whatever. Jeff is like, I don't have anything. Like, we just got to get to the popcorn shop, whatever, whatever. Trey's like, I've had a fucking enough. Shoot him. Terry's in the interrogation. She's like, Trey is yelling at Vicky, shoot him, shoot him, over and over and over again. And and Vicky doesn't want to shoot him. She's kind of like, eh. Like, she's not, like, going with it. He was like, God damn it, Vicky, shoot him or I'm going to shoot you. And Vicky puts the gun to his head and she shoots him. The girls are, like, freaking out. Jeff is dead, bodies on the floor. Terry's like, at that point, I am just screaming and bawling. Like, I don't know what to do. So the car slows down, right? Or or, or, or Trey pulls over, right? And he goes to the back, and he checks Jeff's pockets. And he finds thousands of dollars in there. He says, I knew this nigga was fucking lying. And pockets the money. Terry says, Vicky and Jeff split the money right there. She says, at this point, while they were distracted... 
this was her opportunity to escape. And she ran out the car, and they ran out after her. And a neighbor came out asking what's going on, and she yelled, Nothing, we just ran out of gas, and ran until she lost. So the police are like, "Mm, I'm not 100% sure if I believe you, because you have cash on you literally right now. And like over two grand and you're telling me that everyone else in the car other than you did the robbing but terry's like no 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 see i had the twenty five hundred dollars in my pocket because when i arrived to watch the movie to hang out with my sister victoria gave me the money before calling jeffrey over so the people are oh so the police are like okay so if asking for money is not abnormal why didn't you ask instead of victoria and terry says that Victoria is usually one that asks for money because she always gets it from Jeffrey because Victoria and Jeffrey have been sleeping around. Mm. And this relationship had been going on for years. Now, mind, mind you, right now, Victoria is about 22 years old. At that time. At the time. But, according to Terry and a lot of other sources, this little uh, affair, scandal, scandal, statutory rape has been happening since she was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. According to Terry, Crystal has absolutely no idea. She's completely unaware. And Trey is kind of like, and she says that Trey, her boyfriend, was kind of like pimping victoria out to jeffrey because anything that she got from jeffrey he got too Mm -hmm. so if he needed something go and go see your sugar daddy Mm -hmm. give him some sugar bring that check back home trey wasn't the biggest fan of this arrangement you know what i'm saying but a it seemed like he had no job so this is how he was getting money and I guess male ego got in the way. He wasn't going to stop the fact that the money train was coming in. But Jeffrey, he, you know, he thought he was slick. You know, he was married to one sister. He had the other little sister on the side. And it's really disgusting because, like, she's so young and you're grooming her. Right. So. While also trying to play the father figure in her life because her father hung herself that same year. Right. Well, also, that's. So, Terry tells the police all of this, and the police are like, okay, the next thing that we need to do right now is we need to find Victoria, and we need to find Trey. Clearly, just having Terry is not enough, (laughs) and they have to find the couple. Okay, so it's the next day, July 27, 2005, and the search for Victoria and Trey Jackson, no relation, begin. They start by posting a picture of the two in the news, and they hope that somebody's going to recognize them and turn them in. Terry is still being extremely cooperative with the police officers. She tells them where they left from. She could hear like a clank, like a bang sound. And she was like, well, maybe that was the gun. So maybe the gun is nearby. The police go out and search. And in the nearby woods, like literally less than a mile from where they found him in the body, they find the gun. The gun was a Glock 9mm and it actually matched the one single bullet shell casing that was found in the van so on the same day they call crystal back down to the police station and they tell crystal what terry told them 
about the affair. Crystal had absolutely no idea about her little sister being groomed by her husband and she broke down crying in the police station. The police also subpoenaed her phone records and saw that she had been making contact, trying to make contact with Jeffrey the day before. So any like sus- none of the calls were going through. None of the calls were going through. So any suspicion that she was involved in this murder had been nullified. Right. So it's the day after that, July 28th, and Trey's cousin sees on the news that his cousin and his cousin's girl is wanted by the police for first-degree murder. So Trey ends up contacting his cousin. He's like, hey, I'm about to come over by the house the next day. So Trey's cousin actually calls the Tampa police, and he's like, look, I know where Trey is. I know who he is, and he's headed to my house, and police are like, absolutely bet. So... The Tampa police get in contact with the Hillsborough County Sheriff around 9, in between like 9.30 p.m. and 10 o'clock. And they're like, listen, our two prime suspects for a first-degree murder case are in your jurisdiction, and we need you to go pick them up from his cousin in them house. So the police pull up to the cousin's house, and Nathaniel slash Trey comes out of the house, and they immediately arrest him. In the backseat of the car that he was headed to, was Victoria. So she too was arrested immediately. The couple didn't put up a fight at all while they were being arrested. They kind of went pretty willingly. Trey had between $1,500 and $2,000 on him, depending on what source you read. Also, some of that money that he had on him had blood on it. Mm. So, first they're talking to Victoria, and they're like, all right, girl, just just tell us what happened. You know, you killed your brother-in-law, didn't you? And she was like, no. And it was like, you had this affair with your brother-in-law, and you killed him. And she was like, no. And she was like, okay, listen, we had an affair. But it wasn't like that. And I, I, I didn't kill him. I didn't kill him. They said, listen, Jeff came by, and, you know, we talked in his car, and he left. He he went to the popcorn shop to go handle some business, and I haven't spoke to him since. I don't know what you're talking about. They're like, listen, Terry told us everything. And Victoria starts to break down and cry. She's like, okay, this is what happened. And... So she's like, here's what happened. Now, per her story, yes, her and her sister was about to watch their movies as they usually do. And she says, but Trey and Terry told her to call Jeff. And the two of them said, get that nigga over to this house, right? Now, because it turns out that the only people who knew about this affair for the longest time, Jeff, Victoria, and Terry. She told Terry a few months ago, and Terry is just kind of conflicted. She not a field it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, my sister, are dating my other sister's man. Like, and then my sister's man raped my little sister. Like, it's just like it's it's very. What the fuck is going on here? Like, it's right. it's fucked up on a whole bunch of sides, right? And so she, she don't really know how she feeling like this, but it's kind of like, fuck this nigga, but also this nigga's taking care of us, right? So she's like, she's like, 
Terry Terry knew what was going on and I just told recently I just recently told Trey and you know they were kind of mad about it and they was like you know what we're about to rob him and they knew that he would come for me so they made me be the bait and they made me call Jeff over to the house and they're like okay well where was Trey and where was uh Terry when Jeff arrived it was like oh they was in the bedroom together now you remember Terry said she was in the bedroom alone so she says Jeff comes over and then the two of them walk out and they're like hey what's going on you about to do whatever whatever she says at that point is when Trey comes out and he you know has the gun and he ties him up and He's like, sit down, fat boy, city boy, rich boy. I've been wanting to get with you. You could think you can have sex with two sisters? You think you can have your wife and fuck my girl too? So. So this was about his ego and his pride. Per Victoria, yes. Okay. She was like, that's what he said when he walked down and he's got shoving a gun all in his face. He was like, well, what you about to do is give me this money. That's what you about to do, right? So, let me get back to where I was. So, that's when the story starts to align with Terry's. And, you know, he's threatening his life. And then he's like, okay, we can go get the money out the safe or whatever. She says, Terry then willingly gets into the car. Hmm. And they're driving. She says, then Trey makes her switch seats. And she's just very stressed through this whole situation. Because don't get her wrong. She loves Jeffrey. She loves Trey, but she She got love for Jeffrey, Jeffrey too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they said, listen. No, so, so she's like, then we were driving. And... And and Trey made me switch seats, and he made me hold the gun, and he kept yelling, and he kept yelling, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. And I, I didn't want to shoot him. And he said, listen, shoot him or I'll shoot you. She says, I closed my eyes. I turned my head to the side to look away, and I pulled the trigger. And he was dead almost instantly. And she just starts bawling, crying. She was like, it's not what I wanted. They was like, listen, when you called Trey that day, did you know what was about to happen? She was like, I know that they was going to rob him probably, you know. But I didn't expect nobody to end up dead. And they're like, ma'am. They're like, and... Why did you pull the trigger? She was like, I love Trey, but he scares me. You know what I'm saying? Like, they was like, well, has he threatened your life before? She says, yeah. And they're like, all right, ma'am. Well, is there anything else you want to add? And she's just like, I just want to say I'm so sorry to my family and his, especially my sister. She's like, I love my family. And I just, she, she was real broken up about it. I think disappointed, you know, and I don't think, I don't know, either. And you're sitting in that interrogation room and you're really just coming to realize like, damn, all I'm this caught. shit really happened. It's, 
it really happened. So it was really either she up. really didn't want to do it or she really regretted it as soon as she did it. Like, she didn't realize how she was going to feel when it happened. You never do. You never do. Acting out of fear and anger. Mm-hmm. So, then, they're like, okay, we've got one more person to interrogate. Let's go talk to Mr. Nathaniel. They're like, listen, you got anything you want to tell us? He was like, no. Jeffrey, who? Only know this man. They're like, we know you know the man. We know how all of you are connected. Don't play games with us. He was like, Psh, I don't know nothing. I ain't, ain't got nothing on me. Y'all ain't got nothing on me. They're like, sir, we've actually got a few stories that testify you were there and a willing participant, maybe even an instigator. He was like, you know what? Don't take our word for it. Bring her in, guys. They bring in Victoria. <laughs> they bring in Victoria, and they're like, y- y- should you tell him or should I? She's like, listen, Trey, it's over. I've told them everything. The jig is up. <laughs> Terry has told them everything. Like, just tell them. And Trey's like, fine, fine, fine. So I know, Jeffrey. Check this out. The nigga just had a lot of money, and he liked to show it off, and I figured I would help myself to a piece of it. I robbed a man. They're like, okay, so so you weren't upset with the affair that was going on between him and your girlfriend and the fact that he was raping her while she was underage? And he's like, I mean, that's not what this was about. It was like, so why is everybody telling us that you said pull the trigger and shoot? He said, me, pull the, what? I ain't shoot that woman. It was like, no, but they're saying that you told her to do it. Listen, this will happen, right? I was driving, you know, it's a little reckless. I hit a bump. She pulled the trigger. It was all an accident. But ain't nobody tell her to shoot that man. So he's complaining. He's, he's saying. Meant to rob him. Not right, meant to rob him. <laughs> yeah, what? He said, I, I want to kill you sometimes, but I never mean to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he's like, he's like, uh, nah, we just, we just trying to rob that man. That killing was all an accident. You know, I just hit me a little bump. So, they're like, you know what? We've heard enough. You, you, and you, book them. Books. Terry, books. Victoria, and Trey, Jackson, all three. <laughs> Murder. For the carjacking and kidnapping of Jeffrey Dampier. So when Victoria went to trial, she was 23 years old and the trial lasted four days. Victoria's defense was telling the jury that Victoria herself was a victim. She was caught between two dominant men who controlled her entire life. She also claimed that she suffered from bad... She also claimed that she suffered from battered spouse syndrome and... According to Cornell University School Law website, battered women's syndrome is a theory that was developed in the 1970s that's now associated with like PTSD, and it can be used in some court cases to mitigate a homicide where a battered woman kills her abuser. So it's having to prove that Jeffrey was an abuser, and that's why she killed him. 
early on, the evidence was not admitted, but it's increasingly more admissible in court, but it's not admissible in all 50 states because, you know, states can make their own laws. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Battered woman syndrome also can be, like PTSD, can be considered a psychological disorder. So it's kind of what I would compare to maybe pleading temporary insanity. Yeah. You know? So they also claim that Trey was extremely jealous of the fact that Jeff won the lottery and Victoria was having sex with him. And she was completely unaware of the fact that Jeff was going to be killed the night that they were together. But prosecution said that her defense was a bunch of baloney because they said, quote, she knew when she made that phone call that nothing good was going to come of it, at least not for Jeff, end quote. Um, They were like, look, this entire thing is premeditated, and Victoria knew exactly what was happening from beginning to end up until the moment that she was caught. Now, middle sister Terry testified. And when she testified, she said quite a few interesting things. First, she confirmed that Jeff started the heavy air quotes relationship, end heavy air quotes, with with Victoria when she was 15 years old. She said, quote, they knew that she was just 15 when he started messing with her. She also said she was like, where is the justice for her? Terry also says on trial that her sister was coerced by the men, which, I mean, like, no shock there. That doesn't shock me at all. They sound like both of them preyed on her yeah. and her weaknesses. Um, And she was really on the stand. She was help- trying to minimize her sister's role in the crime because of everything that Victoria had to deal with growing up from childhood up until this point. But prosecution still did not care. They were relentless. And, of course, evidence includes the gun that was found in the woods, the blood that was found on the money when DNA was tested. They found out that it was a perfect match. And then it was up to a jury to find out if they were, if she was guilty or not. Um, all right, so on September 21st, 2006, the verdict was released. After a two-hour deliberation, Victoria was convicted of first-degree murder, armed kidnapping, and armed carjacking. She was sentenced to life in prison for each charge, and it was to be served out consecutively with no chance of parole. After the jurors left, she turned around to comfort her grieving mother and said, Jeffrey forgives me. Just over and over. It's okay, Ma. It's okay. Jeffrey forgives me. Jeff's dad said he felt like a huge weight was off his shoulder. Crystal said her husband would have just been better off without the money. She said she think it was a curse and she don't play the lottery at all. She said, I think it's a curse. I don't play the lottery at all. I don't touch it because I'm afraid if I win, I would sit down and cry. Now, Nathaniel sat on trial, or Trey sat on trial October 3rd for the same charges. His defense was, it was a robbery, not a murder. In Florida, if you commit a felony and somebody dies while you're committing that felony, anybody who participated in that family is 
just as responsible for that murder. Mm -hmm. So that argument didn't hold up too well in court. And he was also convicted on all three charges and had to serve three consecutive life sentences. Now, if you're wondering what happened to middle sister Terry, her charges were dropped because there wasn't any hard evidence saying that she wasn't kidnapped. So she... And in return for her testimony, her charges were reduced and dropped. Or even any hard evidence that she was participating. That she wanted to participate, that she was a willing participant in the crime. So she She never had the gun. She never, you know what I mean? Right. So she's free. Nothing happened to her. Um, They was like, listen, if you don't have a case to build... It's better to just use them to build a case against somebody else. Right, because also, like, you don't want to risk double jeopardy. Right. And you don't want to risk Terry coming up first and her winning and then trying to convict the other two. So what do you know that you're going to win in the court of law? Yeah, so they just handed her a little plea deal. And it was like, listen, you testify against your sister, you'll never be brought up on these charges. And she was like, all right, sis, I'm going to hold you down as best I can. (laughs) Okay, y'all, it is time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it. But if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. Do you have one or you want me to do it? You can go. I didn't do it. But if I did, I wouldn't have done it. Because this man is literally financing my entire life. You know... That's where I was at with it. Like, I wouldn't have done it. And then, I guess you could say the trauma of the whole statutory rape thing, but... I don't know that it was bothering her enough to kill. I don't it seems so. like money was the biggest motivator behind this thing. Money and money was and coming Trey. to you with ease. Right, Trey's the problem. Man. Or, you know what? When he was like, shoot him, shoot him, there are so many places to shoot somebody where they won't die. Yeah. You yeah. did a single gunshot wound to the head. I'm pretty sure if you would have shot him in the knee or in the foot, it would have calmed down the chaos in that car, at least for a little while, so that everybody could level their heads. It would have calmed it down? Sorry. It would have calmed it down? I think it would have escalated the chaos. You shot that nigga. Kill him! I don't know. Then there's, there's so many options. Gunshots. There's so many places to... Yeah, I ain't do it, but if I did, I definitely would have... Cause even even if the even if the assault was an issue for you, you tell your sister y'all turn that man in, you still getting his money. You know what I mean? Are you though? Are you though? Right. Because the statute of limitations is probably passed, and then now he's just gonna cut you off. You're right. You're right. Parole or no parole. I don't know. I think she should get a chance. I was watching this girl on YouTube that was living at one of the maximum security prisons, but now she has a YouTube where she does true crime. And she was in prison with Victoria. And Did you enjoy that? Sure. (laughs) But one thing she said was like, Victoria, she was like, I don't know, it's just something. She She was really sweet. She was very nice, whatever. And she was like, she would always have these black eyes from the girls that she was dating in prison. So she was just constantly in these bad relationships. And even to even in prison, she's just 
in these abusive relationships and Mm -hmm. still not learning and still not learning or still not you know you accept the love you think you deserve right so not valuing mm -hmm. mm-hmm but I definitely think that I think there was probably a little trip to that battered women's syndrome I feel like she definitely needs therapy she she dealt with a lot a lot at a young age yeah and I don't think it's ever been properly addressed. And she went from being poor and struggling to having more money than she knew what to do with and just no boundaries, no structure. You know, and so whether structure, she's, yeah. she's flopping from one end of, you know, what is the word I'm looking for? One end of society, poverty, like the spectrum of the economic scale from one end of the economic scale to the other you know what I mean right and quickly and quickly and with no real effort alright killers I need y'all help with something my sister has called in a favor um so as y'all know we here at Sisters Who Kill we love us some black women and clearly, that's a trait that runs in my family. My sister and some other people in L.A., they created an organization called Retreat and Reimagine. And their purpose is to provide a community-centered black women rest, refuel, and connection in nature so that they can return to their liberation work with more sustainable habits and a space to reimagine our futures. So what are community... Oh, so who are these community-centered black women? These are doulas who are working to make sure that black women get... The- are advocating for themselves during childbirth so that we don't have to be four times more likely to die during childbirth, you know? Um, They are filmmakers. They're political organizers. They're food justice advocates making sure, like, these black communities have community gardens and access to food and stuff like that. Just people out there doing the work for their community that they live in. Um, And because they're already doing a lot of this work for free, this retreat is 100% free for them, which is where you guys come in. Retreat and Reimagine is currently accepting donations for this year's retreat. Any size donation is helpful in getting them to their goal. They'll take the kind of jingles, but they prefer the kind that folds. Okay. (laughs) Now, I know our audience is always looking for ways to love up on black women, so if you have the capacity, please visit retreatandreimagine.com for more info. Um, if you look at the top of the screen, there's a donation tab, and it will take you to their GoFundMe. And let them know that Sisters Who Kill got their back. And the little notes, tell them Sisters Who Kill sent us the ride for y'all. So, yes. like, shout out to the black women over there doing the work. And if you can't, you know, throw a little something. Anything helps. Because that's Tazzy's real sister. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's read some reviews. I always forget about this part. This one says, I feel seen and heard. I just downloaded Apple Podcasts to leave you <laughs> I just downloaded Apple Podcasts to leave you a review as I am a Spotify listener. She's like, I'm just here so I won't get fined. <laughs> um Rarely in a podcast do people try and relate and apply their lives to the situations that they are covering. You are doing a great job and I know y'all must be exhausted at the end of each week. But please know that you are greatly appreciated. Listen, I got the yawnies right now. <laughs> go i'm like y'all yesterday yesterday we were supposed to record and i fell asleep with a brownie in my hand 
<laughs> and when I came to see Tassie, she was asleep, so I just left her there. Listen, and then my ass wakes up looking for her, she is in the bed. <laughs> Sleep. Oh, did you want to record? <laughs> no, nigga, go to bed. Uh, this one says, frowny face, frowny face, frowny face. Five stars. Man, waiting for the next episode is the worst part. I am so sorry, Big Shelves, but one a week. <laughs> I told them, I said, I said, patience is a virtue, okay? It takes time. If they didn't miss us, they wouldn't enjoy it as much. You know? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. All these things are true. Yeah. All these things are true. All right, y'all. That is the end of our show. If you want to get in contact with us, say hi. Um, Hit us up for ad space. Say you love the show. Say you hate the show. Say that you think that our hair is cute. You can email us at sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow Tazzy on Twitter, because that's mostly where she is, it's at sisterswhokill. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's sisterswhokillpod. On TikTok, sisterswhokillpodcast. Cash app, money signs, sisterswhokillpod. And join the discussion group make sure you answer my questions to get in don't be inviting your mama and them yeah a lot of y'all inviting people who have not listened to the show and they're not answering the questions and people are like, not having it people are like i don't have a favorite yet mm, no girl <laughs> listen come back tell us what you think yeah taz mm. okay anyways <laughs> all right taz you got anything else nope talk to us we talk back bye I'd be so nervous. I feel like the more shows we do, the more I'm like, I hope they they like it. I think for a while there, I felt like we were doing good. And now, I don't know. I feel shaky.